Welcome to Garden Thoughts. On this podcast, I talk about different ideas, concepts, and perspectives. I want to explore the brain in different ways and tap into the untapped areas of the mind. Invest in yourselves and think on your own. Have some fun and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Garden Thoughts. On this episode, um, I'm happily joined by Duke Benj. Uh, Duke Benj is a, a great friend of mine. We actually met in baseball uh, through Minnesota MASH. And from there, our friendships kind of blossomed into more, you know, overall, you know, like great friends um, as a whole. Um, but Duke, if you want to introduce yourself for the listeners, just to give a little more context about yourself, you know, what you've been up to, what you're doing right now, what interests you, that'd be awesome. Yeah, of course. Uh, Duke Benj. Uh, I am a cadet third class at the United States Air Force Academy, so that's the equivalent uh, now of a college sophomore. Um, I grew up in Lakeville, Minnesota. I've been playing MASH ever since I was just a little kid, and that's uh, where I met Colby. We were roommates that one summer uh, when we traveled traveled the country and played together. It was an awesome experience. Um, right now, I am majoring in systems engineering with an emphasis in aerospace and a minor in religious studies and Spanish. Uh, so a little bit of a mouthful there, but uh, right now, school at the Air Force Academies, uh, I get paid to go to school. So I figured I'll take as many classes as I possibly can while, uh, while enrolling there. Heck yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Um, first off, you know, let's just dive into it right, right away. Um, I mean, from my my perspective, looking in, you've got, I feel like you've gone through quite a bit of different scenarios than most people, you know, around our age have gone through. Um, could you kind of tap in, you know, dive deeper into the transition you had with going through the Air Force Academy and like, so from high school into what you're into now, like the different steps that went along with that? Yeah, of course. Um, and just for like the listeners, that, so the Air Force Academy is basically um, like a college. It's like an undergraduate. Um, and at the completion of my four years, I'll get a bachelor's degree and I will make an attempt to go to graduate school um, and so forth with that. But so the Air Force Academy is incredibly prestigious. It's one of the best colleges in the entire world. It's less than uh, 10% acceptance rate. And again, I get paid to go to school because it's considered a full-time job. I have to work my tail off every single day while at the academy. Um, but to get in, it was incredibly rigorous too. I had to do dozens of interviews with um, congr- congressmen at the local level, all the way up to the national level. Um, I even had an interview with uh, vice president staff. Um, so that was pretty incredible there, uh, Vice President Pence. Um, as well as our senators from the state of Minnesota, Amy Klobuchar, Tina Smith, um, as well as uh, Congressman Jason Lewis, which that, that was pretty, pretty uh, crazy having to go through that interview process. Yeah, there, dude, what were those like? It like, was, it was absolutely absurd. I was, I was on a complete high. I was on a complete high while uh, going through those interviews. Uh, literally for one of them, I sat down and the interview said, tell me why uh, we should let you go on this $480,000 full ride scholarship to the best institution in the entire world. And it was literally 30 minutes of me just talking. That was the only question that she asked the entire time. And I just literally described who I was to her. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you're becoming an officer in the military. 
So they want to look at you and say, I trust this person with the lives of our airmen, of our soldiers, of our Marines. I want to trust this person with absolutely everything, uh, the backbone of our nation's security. 100%. And like, so like, that's, that's a lot of pride too. I mean, as you go through that, like, like, I guess, can you kind of tap into more of like, you know, when you like, so how did they kind of reach out after? Did they kind of like, did you, how many steps did you have to go through? Was it like, uh, kind of like, if you get past this step, you move on to talk to this person for an interview or like kind of how did that work? Yeah, so we had to do application pro uh, packets um, from all of the people who were interested in applying. I think only about 10% of people actually made it to interviews and then only 10% of the people who made it to interviews um, were allowed to be nominated for an academy. So it's pretty rare to get a nomination for an academy. So a uh, senator is only allowed five individuals at a senator or uh, representative in the House uh, is only allowed five individuals at each military academy. So we have West Point, uh, Annapolis, which is the Naval Academy, as well as the Air Force Academy, uh, which is where I eventually ended up going. And after all my interviews, um, so I turned in my application packets and then I received a letter saying, yes, we'll have an interview with you. And I got accepted to all, uh, all three uh, possible nomination routes. I received callbacks and then I went there, interviewed, and then each one, uh, I got nominated to the Naval Academy, West Point, as well as the Air Force Academy. So it was a very difficult decision uh, to choose between the three military academies. And not many people get uh, the opportunity that I had to actually have the choice between going to each one of the academies. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and yeah, it, it was definitely a difficult decision. Uh, but I think, I think I made the right decision going to the Air Force Academy. The people there are absolutely incredible. Yeah, and that's a, another point I wanted to bring up or another topic um, is, is with the people's sake, right? Going to an institution like that, where it's very prestigious, it has the name for itself, and people, you know, almost in a way, almost idolize it. Um, how many, like, how big of an impact is it? Because in my, in my eyes, the way that I look at it is like, you are who you're surrounded by. And so as you're surrounded by the type of people like that, I mean, what kind of impact does that have on you? Of course. And there's there's like that stigma from like an outsider's perspective looking in saying, wow, like that's an incredibly prestigious university. They must be going through something that is so incredibly rigorous, something that's so challenging. And yes, it is challenging. And but you can't you can't get caught up in the perspective of others especially while trying to make a decision for colleges because i know that's one of the biggest decisions um, a lot of people uh high school age seniors have have to make uh with their lives is what college they're going to go to and you can't get too caught up in the fact of what other people think about you uh oh wow this university is really prestigious this college is going to carry its label with itself but at the end of the day it's you writing your own story it's you carving your own path and I almost felt called to go to the Air Force Academy because my grandfather uh, served in World War II. He was very, uh, very integral part of the B-17s uh, on the Normandy campaign and everything over there. And it was incredible for me to say, yes, I feel called to go here, but it's not so much as following in the footsteps, but so much as standing on the shoulders of the, the roots that I already have in the military. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely, definitely, uh, that decision was definitely a good decision.
Hundred percent. And um, so with that too, I, I know your dad. He did he go through that as well. So did your um, so your whole family kind of did that. Did they go through that? Yep. So my dad, he also went to the Air Force Academy. He okay. graduated a while ago. Uh, he played football and baseball there, and then he ended up doing a lot of uh, super classified reconnaissance stuff in the Air Force. Oh, okay, sure. And then you have yeah. an older brother as well. Did he? Because I know he's kind of in that same path. So is it kind of like everybody followed that line there? Yeah, and honestly, the choice the choice of going into the military, it's I don't know. I I view it as selfless, and I've always tried to embody the idea of putting others before myself. My entire life, I've done my absolute best to try to do that, whether it be volunteering through church, through elderly centers, through youth centers, even working as a volunteer at MASH. Um, I think it's really important for us as people in society to put other people first, because if, we, if we're always like going around being completely selfish, it is not going to take us very far whatsoever. And that's why at the academy, everyone has that mindset everyone has the idea of how far can i push my buddy next to me not so much as how far can i go by myself and that's so awesome to hear and for the people if anybody's listening to this i can firsthandly say that duke benj is a first class guy i mean when i first met him and as we've known each other through the last few years like he does i feel in my opinion he does all the things correctly and you know he's just, he's humble he's he has a bunch of energy. He's not afraid to, you know, to go in a, an unknown situation and just kind of attack that. And I, I get a lot of out of that, seeing that, and that um, motivates me and inspires me. So, I mean, dude, you're an awesome dude. Just want to put that out there, anyway. Oh well, look at um, you, man. Wow. <laughs> no, I just, I just want to let the people know because it, it's all true. Like, there's, there's a lot of people I think, you know, in our world today that kind of put on a front, right, and where. You know, maybe it's through social media or whatever it may be. They they put on a front where they they want to be this person, right? But you know, in times like even think about like this, in times like quarantine and isolation, and I kind of talked about this on the last episode, where I think you're going to start seeing a lot of divide or a big divide between people, on where people are either going to slack and not stay to their routine and try to progress, and they're going to see the other people emerge and try new things and. You know, you're, you're a type of person that I believe will do those things behind the scenes. And I think that's, you know, as a whole, people who can do the small details and aren't afraid to go backstage and do what needs to be done, I think, is what's going to set them up for a bigger future. Yeah, and going off of that, I think one of the things that's been my biggest uh, fact, my call to success, has been exactly like that what you were just describing, going behind the scenes and doing all the work. This past uh, fall with my um, experience at, with baseball at the Air Force Academy, I was so hungry. I wanted to get better every single chance that I could get. It was, it was, it almost got to the point uh, where it was, it was a little bit reckless. Uh, for my room, the st- so for the, at the Air Force Academy, the standards for freshmen are absolutely crazy. Like I have to be in a uniform at all times at the academy. Uh, when I walk in the hallway, I must walk on the right side of the hallway. I have to greet uh, every single upperclassman that walks by me uh, with their rank, their job title, uh, their first and last name, as well as their middle initial. So for me to come back to my room after practice, for me to go back down to the gym and get any extra work in, it would be a full 35, 40 minutes just to get down to the gym. So there'd be times where Obviously, the classes at the Air Force Academy are incredibly rigorous, and 
I would come back to my room, sit down, do all my homework right away. I'd sit down and do my military history homework. I'd do my leadership homework. And then I would go down to the baseball field and I'd be down there until 11, 12, sometimes even one in the morning. Um, 11 and 12 at night uh, and one in the morning. Uh, and it, all, it was almost a little bit reckless, but the thing is like through that development and through that extra work, it it was definitely seen. I felt I felt more prepared and I think it goes down to the thing is that success can be accounted to preparedness. The more, I, I kind of picture success as like an equation. The more work that you put in on one side, it's gonna it's gonna give you more success on the other side. Exactly, and um, you know, just a tangent or kind of a thought that came to mind as you were going through that was, in a time right now, right, where there's really not a lot of structure, there's really not a, you know, you can kind of do what you want, there's a lot more freedom. In your instance, in your kind of perspective, do you see that, you know, because you don't have a fort, you're not having someone right now over your back of your shoulder looking at you like when you're there, right? Always making sure you're on time, you're doing these things, you're kind of in that mindset. Has What's the transition been like even for this time period where you've had all that structure and that, you know, kind of preparedness and everything that went along with that into right now where you're kind of on your own now and then do you still have kind of like, do they still check in with that or is it more like now you're just on your own and like how have you dealt with that? So at the academy, they've definitely still been checking in on us uh, pretty frequently, but it's been pretty lenient uh, since this whole Corona situation has happened. But I think the biggest thing for me is I haven't changed my mindset whatsoever. Every single day, I still imagine as though I'm 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 brushing my teeth in front of a stadium of thirty thousand people. I'm brushing my teeth while my commanding officer is standing right next to me, yelling at me, getting in my face, and saying that I'm doing it wrong. Because the thing is, we can always be better. And that's something that's, uh, during this time, people are starting to, or even in general, I feel like sometimes people will accept mediocrity. And it's it's just easier that way. It's easier to just say, okay, like, yeah, I'm okay with a 95% on the test. Okay, right. I'm, I'm cool with getting one question wrong. But as soon as you start saying, okay, I'm, I'm okay with getting one question wrong, then it's gonna turn to two questions, three questions. And, and that just comes back that's to the not discipline. Acceptable. Right. It just yes, comes back yes. to that self-discipline there. And I think, you know, as again, anybody listening, I think when you have a, a goal that's not attainable, that's not reachable yet, but it you're like, you're trying to strive to get more and more closer to that, but not getting exactly to that point. I think that's super valuable because it keeps you in line. It keeps you self-disciplined and it keeps you in your routine of things. And I think by staying in a routine and staying in a structure, you know, looking ahead and having a set of goals that's almost like a mirage. Every time you think you get there, you don't. But you keep progressing to try to chase that perfection. Even though none of, you know, there is no perfection, you try to keep going, but it's always the chase of it, of can I get there? Can I do that? You know, and it's almost like the sense of limitless. Like, I just did that. Well, now what can I do? And it just opens a lot more opportunities for yourself. Exactly. And we have we have these things called uh, morning formations um, at the academy. And for uniform standards, they will look at your uniform every single morning and they will say your uniform looks like god awful. And the thing is, you could have spent hours ironing your uniform the night before, making it look absolutely perfect. But no matter how many how much time you spend on your uniform, there's still going to be something wrong with it. So then it comes down to the choice of, well, I, I can stop working on this and just accept that my uniform is gonna look like crap 
or I can continue to get it better. So when they're doing their meticulous check over me, they're like, you're going to earn that little bit of respect. Right. hundred percent. And with that too, it's just that constant, it's almost like a constant, uh, you know, structure cycle of this hunger. Right. So if you think about it, you know, always wanting to perfect even the simplest details. Right. And I think the simplest details are the hardest things that, you know, as our society kind of just blows over. Because usually we think about the hardest thing being the, the big overall that everybody else sees. Yet no one looks at the smaller details that hold up the bigger things. And I think that's where if you want to improve even as yourself as a person, look more at the details rather than the big idea. But have that big idea in front of you as you're attacking the smaller um, details. Exactly. And that's that's one of the things. We, we take a leadership class at the academy. And it really is how is how you take it you you can get a lot out of the leadership courses and you learn that as a leader you're called to do so much more because you have to have that broader perspective of all of your subordinates and all the people even above you and gain a greater perspective of what they are feeling what they're thinking and what they want to come from a certain outcome so you have to look at the broad picture but you also have to look at it through the keyhole you have to see what is the more meticulous what is the more um refined goal of your objectives exactly and you know i had a heart or a talk with harv excuse me um a couple of months ago um, before any of this happened and it was kind of more on the perspectives on how you attack something right and the way you know i internalize you know how to you know gain more perspectives is you know, think about even this instance right here. Like, so I have a podcast, right? And we're, I interview different people. And really, my 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 goal behind it is really just trying to expand the perspectives I have. Like, the more pers- the more perspectives I can a- a gain, I can gain from other people. The more wide, broad knowledge I can have, and that'll better future me and anybody who listens this as a better person, as a better version of themselves. Yet when you expand to different people within, you know, the wide range of different elements that are thrown at you, you also want to tap into each element so you know enough about that, even be curious about that. And I think going into curiosity, I think, you know, I've talked about this a little bit, but I think curiosity trumps everything because as curiosity happens, you know, you ask questions and by asking questions, you're going to, you're going to want to learn. And by learning, you're you're gonna have self-discovery, you're gonna innovate, and things are just gonna keep progressing for you. And I think that's super vital to everyone's um, daily life. Yes, of course. And uh, I was, oh man, it was General Lorenz. He was quoted, um, I was reading a book of his, and I remember in the book he talked about how, as an officer in the military, it's our obligation to always be getting better. So we never have to reinvent the wheel. And how it's so, it's of paramount importance for us to be reading all the time. He said that during his time, General Lorenz, he was one of the top generals of all time um, in military history. And he didn't want us to reinvent the wheel because people have already done so much work and have had so much experience. And even this podcast, it gives you an opportunity to learn stuff and gain knowledge. So you have a broader experience, not from actually experiencing things, but just hearing about other people's experiences. And that's it's why it's just, so important for us to continue reading, to continue soaking in knowledge and not just accepting your current level of knowledge. You, exactly, and you're, you're intuitively already in creating your intuition. 
either you know subconsciously if you want to progress or you're not if whatever your outlook on outlook is you're always going to be keep progressing in a certain direction and it's your choice if you want to keep progressing in the direction that you actually want or if you start slacking away and just not paying attention to it and it's just going to kind of drift away of course of course all right so also some different things i wanted to ask you um and going off of what we just kind of talked about um when you talked about reading and, and learning different information and knowledge um what if what has been like um have you had like a book or different books that have kind of like you know meant more to you than some others or some that kind of stuck out or like what's been kind of like some different uh different topics that you've kind of attached more to yourself to so definitely um at the air force academy i've had a lot of books thrown in my face um whether it be by a good friend of mine brooks bird he's one of the the coolest guys that i know uh he's he wakes up at five in the morning every day and just starts grinding on the books just reads all the time um but i guess some of the books that have really been important to me in gaining more knowledge is uh one is called The Art of War, uh, which was written by Sun Tzu. He's a military general from like a couple, couple hundred BC um, that came out of China. And it's, it's ridiculous to see how some of the stuff that he wrote about thousands of years ago can still be applied to us today. And not just like military tactics, but just how to engage yourself uh, in a day-to-day basis. Uh, I really enjoyed reading The Alchemist. That was a really captivating book. Uh, the Shack. That book was awesome. Uh, I mean, a big source of my motivation, a big source of my why uh, comes from Jesus Christ, of course. I mean, I think if you don't have any sort of deity, it gets very hard for you to really have something bigger to draw on. Because if you're going about life and you're just doing it for yourself, you're only going to go so far. You're only going to go so far. 100%. And with that, I think, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, he's a motivation, motivational speaker. Um, he lost his right arm or, or got paralyzed. Inky Johnson. Inky Johnson. He's like, when you want to, when you want to, um, what was it? It's like, if you wanted to go far, um, or if you wanted to go far, go alone. But if you want to go, um, you know what I'm talking about? That's, to, that's an Af- that's an African proverb. Uh, you know how that goes? It's like, yeah. So it is, if you want to go far, go alone. If you want to go fast, go alone. There it is. If you want to go far, go together. Exactly. Um, yeah, that, that's powerful, dude. Because like, you, you got to have a strong why. Like, what's your why? And yeah. I don't think a lot of people really think about that, honestly. I mean, we get caught up with our daily lives and just kind of the, the light talk, you know, small talk with different people. But I don't think a lot of people have that true talk to themselves of what is my why? Why do I do the, what I do? Like. Why do I perceive this the certain way I do? And I think a lot of I think a lot of people can answer their own questions if they just sit down with themselves and and then think to themselves like, okay, why do I do this? You know, good or bad. And oh I think, yeah, I think you can learn a lot from that. Oh yeah, I remember I had a I had like a total mental breakdown earlier uh, this past fall, and I literally went to a classroom at the academy. I locked myself in the classroom, had a whiteboard marker and empty whiteboards. And in the middle, I just wrote, what is your why? And I, it took me like six hours and I just drew like a giant uh, web of all the things that I did and why I did all of the things that I did because are all the things that I do, not did, but do, and why I continue to do them. For you, okay, that's interesting. I like that. Um, with that, is, is there something, was there a common thread or uh, excuse me, thread 
between that as you did that was there some self-discovery where you where you noticed something about yourself as doing that because that's just like journaling and it's like because oh, exactly. through, through journaling you mean you learn a lot about yourself and i just saw today a post where you know when you journal it's emotionless and it's just the cold hard facts and you know whether you like it or dislike it it's going to be there of course of course um yeah and i think i think you wanted to know what like my big why was right yeah yeah i mean what was your big why and then was there like was it so when you made that kind of web was there something over here that matched with something over here where you, there was a commonality between mm-hmm. that exactly exactly so i've i've served as a leader now um on my baseball teams in church groups and school groups i was like one of the senior class officers of my class i was the president of nationals honor society president of so many different clubs um growing up and it all came down to i want to my why is that i want to make as big as an impact on the world as possible i want to positively change lives because i think when we look at the grand scheme of things we see that there's seven billion people in the world and sometimes we'll feel completely useless we'll feel like our actions no matter what we do they're not going to matter because i'm not going to be the next elon musk i'm not going to be the next bill gates because i'm just a normal person but the thing is even in a world of seven billion you i mean you're just one person but the impact that a single person can have it's completely up to you so you have to be the best version of you every single day and you have to have that consistency you have to have the discipline you have to be the you that you want to see you as tomorrow because we all have this vision of ourselves we have this vision of ourselves as we start to grow up i mean i'm only 19 years old but here i am making plans for the next birthday by the way no thanks baby that was yesterday <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um but we see the vision of ourselves as who we are going to be in the future and we see who we are today and it's such a big gap but the only way to close that gap is through consistent action not consistent thought but consistent action i think that's very powerful too because um i just saw the other day where um a lot of people right so these times they'll they'll read books right and try to gain their knowledge and it's great to read books and try to expand your own wisdom and experience and knowledge but also you have to take action and with like you can't always just take in information and just just only ne- do nothing with it right it's, it's like an input output kind of thing if you take in information you should output that into some kind of positive action whatever that may be exactly all right let's see what else we got here um so one of these if you want to just tap into more um i got a little bullet point here and i think it's kind of relatable to how you kind of go through the air force academy and the whole military um association is where to win the war one must go into the trenches and tough it out and so what i mean by that and i'm sure you can dive into this a lot more is with so with any happiness with any pleasure with any anything that's good whatever you want whenever you see that success i think what a person has to do is go through through the through the trenches and eat dirt and just keep eating dirt and then when you get success it's going to feel a lot better than just kind of almost cheating your way there it's not going to be the most fulfillment for you can you kind of tap into that and kind of show you or explain your perspective on kind of first going through the trenches and then coming out on top there yeah and i think 
I think uh, the thing that uh, really like, jumped into my mind there was during my uh, military history class that I had to take this last semester, we learned about like the stages of war. And there's basically three stages. There's one that's considered tactical, operational is another, and then strategic. So tactical, the tactical stage of war is, are like battles. They're like the small scale interactions. And if you win a battle, that's, called, that's considered a tactical victory. So if we're going to personify tactical victories, it's like when you have like uh, a, good, a good swing, when you have a good day at the plate or something, when you do everything right during a business day. Like that, that would be considered a tactical victory. Operationally, that's considered like the movements or advancements of troops. So what are you going to do operationally to put yourself in the best position for success? The best position to be the best version of yourself. If you want to be the best, um, let's, say, let's say you want to be the best hitter in the world because right. you, you're still playing baseball. If you want to be the best hitter in the world, you have to put yourself in a position to become the best hitter in the world. You have to put yourself in a position where you're next to minds who know how to be the best hitter in the world. You have to put yourself in positions where you can maximize your potential. And then going to the next level is the strategic version, is the strategic level of battle. And the strategic uh, level of battle is the overall goal. So like the United States uh, in World War II, our strategic goal in the Western Front, uh, where we were battling against Germany, was to beat, beat the Nazis, to eradicate them uh, from the region and basically uh, put the Allied powers back into power uh, and terminate the threat from the Axis uh, powers. And so we have to look at it, if you were talking earlier about how we can be happy, how we can feel successful, that's like our strategic goal. I want to be successful. That's our strategic goal. And then you have to look operationally. Okay, I have to put myself to... I have to read my textbook. I can't just like show up to class and not be prepared. That's an operational goal. And then tactically, you actually have to go into the trenches, like what you were talking about, and win all of those small interactions, all of those day-to-day -day interactions to become the successful version of yourself. Well said. And to kind of summarize what you think, you, you explained it perfectly, where you have to, you know, you have the big idea of what you want, and then you have little steps that you need to do to proceed to go in that direction. And some of those steps are going to be not as glamorous as, you know, as the final product. But going mm -hmm. through those, you're going through cert certain situations that other people haven't. And that creates you. And that, that creation of you is what's going to leap you to go even, you know, farther into your direction, whatever it may be. Exactly. So it's almost like, this is another kind of tangent here, but following your future self. And I kind of thought about this today. Um, earlier, I took a little walk and I was just trying to think um, more clearly. And really what I, what I came to was like, you want to follow your future self. And so what I mean by that is, as you look into the future of what you want to be, who you want to be, like what you want your, your name to embody, right? It's really like, watch someone who you kind of um, look look up to, right? And so someone who's in that profession and you kind of take that of what they're doing and kind of take the good and the bad with it and kind of you self-internalize of what that individual did, what you want to become. And so when you start to progress throughout your life, you're really just taking the different knowledge pieces that people have already experienced. And that's the biggest thing is experience because it's the only thing that 
you yourself can go through. No one can tell you an experience. Like, and what I mean by that is they can't gen like they can't actually give you the experience. You can only do that for yourself. And so you take these different experiences, and this is why reading a reading a book is, or listening to different videos and trying to gain as much knowledge as you can is so important because it gives you again so many different perspectives. And as you can increase your number of perspectives, it broadens your range of view. But with that, it gives you more possibilities to go different avenues. If I like this certain thing, I'm going to follow that. If I see a person doing this certain thing, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be associated with that. So I want to shift over here. And then you look at people and you build upon that. So a person, you know, that just published a book about their whole life, good and bad. That's an awesome book because you get to learn, you know, 80, what, how, however long they were of years of experience. And then you get to read that in three hours and then you have all that knowledge of experience. And then you get to use that throughout your own life. So I think it's so important that people try to broaden their range of view by learning different things. And and with that too, it, it's almost you know somewhat difficult because some of the things that you wanna broaden your view as, it may not be the biggest you know interest for you. For like my instance, like I used to hate reading when I was younger because you know they'd make you read a certain you know Macbeth book or whatever it may be, and you just didn't have that. There's no context behind it, so you just didn't have any. You know there was no relationship between. It. But I think once you try to attach a little little piece of yourself to whatever you're learning, I think that'll help you learn, give you more perspectives, and you kind of take those gold nuggets that people have and use it for yourself in your own direction. Of course, of course. I really, I'm a really, really big fan of that because I look at it, I look at it somewhat as like a spider web. Um, and the more avenues, the more connections that you have, the bigger your web's going to be. The more connections you're going to have, the more people you know, the more resources you have, the better you you're going to be intellectually. And again, so like in your situation, again, this is just my, you know, outside looking in here, but going to, um, you know, a great place that where you are right now, it gives you you know people who have gone through a lot of things right and so as they've gone through a lot of things you're looking at almost the final product of that so what i mean by that is you're looking at what they've gone through and how they embody themselves and so you're seeing that for yourself and so naturally because you're surrounded by that environment you're gonna perform how they perform and so this can be in any scenario it's not just for your case but whatever you want to strive to be go look and like follow the actions of the best because as you follow the actions of the best you're just going to trail it you're like your little sucker fish to them and you just kind of course and that's on. why we're so drawn to major major league sports that's why we're drawn to professional anything sports, any profession yeah. because there's always that sense of greatness like we all have a sense of greatness in ourselves it's just a matter of who wants to display that and the people in it and the hard thing about displaying that is the 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 view and the external factors around us, the judgment of it. I think a lot of people value their lives from people around them rather than just, you know, trusting themselves. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of create jails for themselves. Exactly. I think if people just kind of block out and, you know, put the blinders on a little bit just for a loop so they can get through the, the guck of it, I think they're gonna be a lot better. Exactly, and that's, that's a big thing. A lot of people, when we look at motivation, People will just talk about motivation as itself, but motivation really has two separate uh, categories. One uh, with it being intrinsic, 
uh, and the other being extrinsic. When someone's intrinsically motivated, they're motivated uh, for reasons coming within. They're motivated because they want to be the best, because they want to be different, because they want to make a difference in the world. But when someone's extrinsically motivated, they're motivated on things that's on the outside. I want to get this many likes on my Instagram post. I want to earn this person's respect. I want this coach to email me back. Exactly. Um, it's the, almost like materialistic with that. And they just, of course, it's, just, I think in a great or well said, but I think with that too, I think it's that extrinsic motivation is more of a weak foundation. I think when you find that intrinsic, because it's all self-discovery, like if you have that incentric, you know, motivation for yourself, it's because of you and like no one else can like have any effect on it because you found it yourself. So like it's, it's important to you because you found it. Exactly. And that motivation is your base. If you're getting into like, um, oh, we've, we've heard it a hundred times before, but if you build a house on a firm foundation, it's going to be able to be a lot stronger than something that's built on sand. And that takes time too. I mean, have that foundation. Oh, yeah. It's going to, and it's not just, I would take it a step further too with that foundation where it's everlasting. You always have to keep building onto the foundation because the more you, the more you put on top of that foundation, the, the weaker the foundation is going to become. But I then mean, how, how are we able to build or how do we create that foundation? So that's, I think it, that's the I, question that's really important. That is a very important question. And with that, you know, and this is just my viewpoint on it and you can go into yours as well. I think it's, it's all balance. I think it's where you have to, you know, have that strong foundation and continuously attack on it in whatever sense it may be, as well as building on top of it. Exactly. Exactly. And it goes back to me. My, my faith is my foundation because the thing is, if, uh, Jesus Christ is the eternal truth. If he is giving me life everlasting, if I continue to go down this path of following him, it, it is going to serve me not just during this lifetime, but for eternity. While some people will look at stuff strictly as, wow, I only have such a limited amount of time here. I have to do anything and everything to try to get from point A to point B, whether it be the right path or the wrong path, because you can get to where you want to go by cheating your way there, by lying, by making excuses, or you can go the right way without making excuses, without cheating, without falling to fallacies. You are responsible for your own decisions at all, all times. Up, exactly. And it's all up to you. Like only you will know, truthfully. Only you will know if you take the worthy way rather than the easy way. And so exactly. it's all and the worthy way is going to them. build that strong base. 100%. And like with that too, you know, even you're, you're going to come in contact with hard times. You're going to come in contact with, you know, tough times, but that's when you fall back to the foundation and that foundation, that sense of fuel of motivation, that's what's got to keep you afloat. And that's, what's got to be your trampoline to go back and keep attacking, you know, your life. Exactly. And a big thing too, um, base wise is at the academy during basic training um, we have to depend on the people around us so when we run we have to run at the pace of the slowest person in our unit because we we can't leave a person behind so every single person is pushing every other person in the unit to be their very best because if we're always dropping down to the worst in the unit then we are going to collectively 
not be running that fast. We're not going to be completing our tasks as quickly as we can possibly complete them. So we have to find a way through teamwork to push each other and strive to be our very best. So is it everything that you do? Is that kind of a sense of like everything is uniformed? So everything is kind of collectively as one? Exactly. So during basic, we get there and on our first day, um, so this was like our, my transition transition look like? Exactly. So my transition from the civilian life to the military uh, world, it definitely wasn't as difficult for me since because I've had a family uh, in the military and everything to that extent. But you show up on the first day and I, I mean, right now my hair is pretty long because of the quarantine and I haven't got it cut for a while. But um, I had the long hair and stuff before going. And then on the very first day you show up, you hug your family goodbye and you lose all sort of connection whatsoever. Uh, you don't have access to technology and you get your head shaved and you told that you're no longer a person. You are a basic cadet. And they say that you're not issued a smile, you're not issued a laugh. You are basically turned into a robot for six weeks and you are taught that you are not an individual. You are a part of a team. And anything that you do, everyone else around you is doing the exact same thing. We had to stand at attention. So I don't know uh, the listeners, how well they know stuff, but attention is like when you, it's like the stereotypical image of like a military person uh, standing strapped, like hands at the side, uh, feet Mm -hmm. together, like chest up, chin up, eyes forward. Um, And we had to stand like that and recite knowledge together. So we would have to memorize quotes while being incredibly sleep deprived and we would stand at attention reading um, in a book and your arm would have to be at a 90 degree angle and you'd stand there for 20, 30 minutes just trying to memorize a page while you're super sleep deprived. And then your uh, basic cadre would ask you to recite the knowledge that you just read. And you depended on the people around you. So on the gaps that you don't have, they're the people that are filling in those gaps. Um, Like we had to memorize all sorts of, um, at the time I thought they were stupid quotes, but still like the quotes this day. Um, do you still remember those? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, like, so uh, something that just keeps do you, with do you. you. Wanna, do you want to hear one just just for fun? Yeah, let's hear one. Oh man. Um, so I had to memorize this one. It was called High Flight. Um, it's by John Gillespie McGee Jr. You had to know who it was by. And it goes, Oh, I've slipped the surly bonds of earth and danced the sky and laughed with silvered wings. Sunward I've climbed and joined the tumbling mirth of sun-split clouds and done a hundred things you have not dreamed of. Wheeled and sword and swung, high in the sun that's silence. Hovering there, I've chased the shouting winds along and flung my eager, crafty footless halls of air up, up the long, delirious, burning blue. I've chased the windswept heights with easy grace, where never lark or even eagle flew. And while with silent, lifting mind I've trod, hovering there, oh no, 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 hovering there, I've chased the shouting winds along, put out my hand and touched the face of God. That's I almost unreal. forgot it there for a second. That's been eight eight months now since I had to remember that. That's unreal, dude. And that again, that just shows like again back to one of our you know earlier you know idea concepts there was like you're going through things that you like typically wouldn't otherwise go through like you're going through the trenches there of like being sleep deprived being pushed to your limits and then you're building upon that oh yeah we you find your breaking point you you get broken during basic there were many times where people are crying because they they don't want to keep going on but I mean, they're put in a situation where you're about to go to one of the best schools in the world, but so, you just so have to go through these six weeks. Yeah. When you're put in that situation, um, are you like, is there ever a point where people are like, I can't do this anymore? And then like, do they have the option to quit? 
Or is it yes, like you just gotta keep going? Did, of course, did a lot of quit. It's, people it's considered, do that? Oh yeah, we've had we've had plenty of people quit. Plenty of people quit. It's considered um, in training. There's a bell in the middle, uh, in the middle of the base. Um, and when you ring the bell, I know Mash has kind of uh, established yeah. the phrases. Ring the bell is like a call, a call yeah. to like take take on the next fight. But uh, ringing the bell in the military is considered giving up. It's uh, you don't you don't want to ring the bell. Um, as yeah. as ironic as that sounds, that Mash always says uh, ring the bell. Yeah, that's like but, that's um, a little I mean, you, flip. Exactly. If I had a dime for every time that I heard someone during basic or even during the academic year say that they wanted to quit, I would be a very rich man. Hmm. Yeah, that, and that's crazy. Um, and that I goes back remember... to the base. That goes back to the base. Sorry, yeah. just like off yeah, the good. top of my head here. Like, yeah, going go. back to the base, it's you. You continue to fight. So even if your base within yourself, you feel like you can't go because you don't believe in yourself anymore. It's the people around you that continue to push you. It's the people around you when it's it's four in the morning and you're getting woken up to sirens during basic that you continue to go because the people that are around you during those times of difficulties, you say, if those people have been there for me this entire time, I need to keep going so I can continue to be there for them. Exactly. Um, also with that too, I know um, we've seen each other um, at mass um, after you've gone through a couple different things. And I remember one story you were talking about was with the gas mass, right? Was that? Oh right? man, yeah. We uh, can, we can got. Can you tap into gas. that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we because that's got wild. Tear gassed. Yeah. So we had to learn uh, how effective our gear was and how important it was to have uh, mop gear. Uh, so mop gear is like the gear that you'd picture. Um, someone in the military wearing when there's a gas attack. So we have our masks, we have like the jackets and we have the big trousers and like the big rubber boots that go over. And uh, during basic, we had to get tear gassed. So we were uh, basically uh, first experienced with mop gear. We put on the mop gear and then they shuffled us over to like the back of like a semi truck trailer uh, in the middle of the woods, no idea where it was. And, uh, they shuffled us into the container and uh, I got in the container. It was all the people, oh man, it was probably like five or six other people in there. And uh, there was an instructor in there and the instructor said, well, it's, it's looking like I can actually see you guys this time. So we're gonna have to open a new canister. So uh, they opened like a, a riot uh, tear gas container and it has a radius of like 10 miles. And they oh, opened geez. it up into this tiny little uh, container. And it was basically, uh, you couldn't see your hands in front of your face. It, it was horrible. And uh, when you had your mask on, you were fine. You were okay. fine. Yeah. But in order to get out of the container, you had to take your mask off. And the guy who was standing in there, your instructor would ask you a question. And he asked me what my name was. I took my mask off. He asked me what my name was. And I didn't know my name because the tear gas started going into my lungs. It started going into my eyes, my ears, everything. And it felt like everything was burning that I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And I couldn't even say That's paralyzing. it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I started to like pass out and the guy grabbed me and he threw me out of the container. And then I started, I didn't pass out. Uh, a lot of people did. A lot of people started throwing up. Um, and you get out and it's just like, you were fighting for air. 
we were fighting, fighting, fighting for air. And I went back to like the breathing routine that Harvey uh, helped us out with all those times. Yeah. And I just started through my nose, just trying to take in as much oxygen as possible. And uh, I just had this dry hack. Uh, while I was trying to get everything out of me because the tear gas, I think it's, a, it's considered a type one poison. Uh, so your body considers it as like a foreign uh, disease and it starts to try to get rid of it. That's why it's considered tear gas because you start crying, your ears start to make a secrete some sort of liquid, your nose, everything. Uh, so you try to get rid of it and uh, wow, that experience, that experience was something. It, it was the worst couple seconds of my life. 100%. I mean, that's, I mean, from, again, from just an outside perspective, that, that's a wild story. That's a wild, you know, experience. I mean, only by going through that, you're going to know what that was like. For my case, I have no idea what that's like, but having that, that's, it's almost in a way fascinating. Oh have, yeah. If I could do it again, that. I would do it. I would do it. It was, it was the worst couple seconds of my life, but I do it again in a heartbeat. It's absurd. And I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the whole overall or the, you know, ideas and structure behind that is like, and this is more of a generalization overall kind of concept, but basically you're trying to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's mission preparedness. It's, you always have, it shows you that you have to be ready for when, uh, crap hits the fan. When stuff starts to go bad, you have to be ready for it. And it's like, we have to be able to have our masks with us at all time. And you take your mask off and you have to have it on your face in less than nine seconds. Whenever, whenever you are being called to do that. Right. And all this that you're going through, it, it's all a resistance. It's all, it's trying to, it's like going through mud and it's just, it's slowing you down it's stopping you and you're trying to just keep trudging through that and really it's just it's friction between you and the discomfort and they want to keep shoving discomfort at you and you just want to keep you know walking over that friction and friction the thing about it is like that's what is needed in order to move forward exactly like, i think a, i think a good analogy is um if you look at like a seed like if you start to get into like botany and stuff a seed when you just like set it on the shelf it's not going to grow whatsoever because it still has exposure to sunlight and it's still it's it's just sitting out there it hasn't gone through the dirt it hasn't gone through the bad times but when you put a seed in the dirt only when it's completely encompassed by darkness is when it's going to actually start to sprout oh that's that's interesting i like that huh yeah, so we kind of use that as like a personification and another cool thing uh that i didn't mention about the tear gas was that uh we all knew that it was happening that day and you always have the opportunity to go to sick hall when you're in basic. So, uh, you, it kind of like kept us accountable. Like the people, um, in our squadron that if you wanted to, you didn't have to get tear gas that day, but the people that were there, we, we got tear gas because we wanted to, because we wanted to know what all the people who had done it before us had gone through. Yeah. Did you ever have the mindset of like, you know, this is more of the negative mindset there, but it all, the neg we're always like negative minded creatures, which is where our mind naturally kind of sets to. Did you ever have, you know, for yourself, the mindset of like the failure that if you couldn't do something, the, the fear of like letting people down before you, the, 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 fa the just the sense of failure, if you couldn't do something, was that, did you kind of use that sense of fear 
as kind of like your boosters to push you through. Because the oh, interesting, yeah, that, the that, interesting that, thing the about failure, fear, free, go ahead, sorry. The fear of failure is definitely a motivating factor. It's definitely something that'll push you. And it's either, it is definitely like an extrinsic motivation, but you can harness fear of failure to go further than you could possibly imagine. Right, and you can look at failure kind of two different, or excuse me, fear in two different ways because you know, you can have fear be in front of you and it's just kind of taking over and that's all you see and it's just almost paralyzing to look at and feel and experience. But you can also take that and let it push you forward onto different things, using the fear to just go attack it right away rather than letting the fear consume you and then you kind of bathe in it. Exactly, exactly. And that always goes back to what Harvey always says is that you have to stay in the present because the present is the only moment that you can control. And that, that's interesting too because I just had a, uh, I forgot with who, but I just had a conversation with being in the present and how vital and vitally important that is because your mind, it, it's always thinking about what's next, right? And it's always thinking about the future. And the thing about the future is it's all unknown. And again, since we're like, we're, we're just created, you know, negatively minded, you know, as a, as a natural state, I think it, because look at it this way, you know, so the analogy that I just, you know, thought of was think about a cliff, right? The cliff, you know, you're walking on it as you're coming up to the edge of the cliff. That's like all the present, that whole ground. That's the present. That's your knowledge. That's what you've known. This is, you're, you're comfortable with that. And then when you get to the edge of the cliff, that whole gap, that whole, you know, whatever it leads to, that's all the future. And so your mind starts to race and it doesn't know. It doesn't, it's not capable of understanding the future and no one's, no one's mind is. But like having the unknown, your mind just starts to race with, you know, what could happen. I mean, if I do this, then it's going to lead to this. And it just starts to race and race and race. And then you almost got to block that out. And you just got to think on your own. Of course, of course. And going back to what you were talking about before with being in the moment and being present, uh, it reminded me of this part of scripture that I was just in last week, and it was in Romans 6, and it was talking about how we become a slave to whatever we worship, to whatever we obey. And a lot of us will get caught up in social media, in the pursuit of money, in the pursuit of temporary things, and those will become our idols, those will become our gods. And you said that we only have our moment to control ourselves and that we have to stay in the moment. But the thing is, is that humans, we become slave, we become slaves to our habits because the rituals and the habits that we build every day, that becomes who we are. It, our movements are incredibly predictable. Our habits are incredibly predictable just because of based off of what we've done before. So you have to have habits that are highly successful, not habits that are going to deter you from success, but habits that are going to push you to continue to be the best version of yourself. Do you think that it's more important or a better, you know, angle if you, so the difference between like admiring someone and idolizing someone, I, in my perspective, and I'll, I'm going to ask you this, do you think it's, you know, better to admire someone, admire their qualities and kind of observe that? rather than being focused, glued onto someone and thinking they're, you know, like God themselves. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the only person that you should ever idolize is uh, 
Jesus Christ because I mean he was he was the perfect human being but um, definitely if you look at like the definition of admiring I feel as though that's pretty much just respecting that's appreciating that's you're not like fully like, like head over heels for that person but you're but wanting you're, to progress into that direction exactly and you're looking at their positive traits and you're saying wow I really like those things about them and you're still having that critical thinking and you're saying wow I see a lot of flaws in that person as well too while an idol you look at them and you say wow that person is perfect and even their flaws I, I like your flaws too and it's like no like you bite your fingernails that's bad right and that's just building your own intuition with that as, mm -hmm. as, you, as you grow your intuition you're just going to be you know capable of handling different things so another thing i want to uh, you know kind of talk about is and this is a really broad you know concept but communication um i've talked about it a little bit but i want to ask you on communication on you know how important that is in it in your in your place in your position you know having that sense of trust within another having to you know rely on someone and knowing that they'll be there and that sense of communication kind of do you think that kind of like in the ears you know keeps that position together do you think that communication is the glue that kind of holds people accountable holds people together or what do you, oh, what's yeah. your kind of view on that i mean if you look at the world's greatest air force we are held together by by email um i mean that's that's how we survive we communicate all the time and that's why we have so many briefings um, at the Air Force Academy is because we have a consistent flow of communication from our three-star general who's in charge of all of us down to the fourth class cadets uh, which are freshmen and we have to communication is so important because as a leader as an officer in the military even as a person you have to be able to communicate so people can understand what you are doing and what your objectives are and what your feelings are. So collectively you all can work towards the same goal because let's say Colby has something in his mind and you want to complete that objective by yourself. Most likely as efficiently as you would be if you had a team working towards that common goal. And as a leader, you have to be able to delegate certain responsibilities to help maximize efficiencies. Oh, I'm sorry. You kind of cut out there just a little bit. Could you just kind of summarize that last little part there for me? I mean, it goes it goes back to when you're a leader and you are trying to complete a goal as effective as possible. You have to find a way to delegate and know your subordinate strengths and their weaknesses and delegate um, as required to help maximize potential among the unit gotcha gotcha no that's awesome that's awesome um and then i want to ask you a question here and then we'll kind of wrap it up um in just a bit but so for you if you knew you'd never fail at anything you ever did what would you want to try or what would you try no oh, man there's this one there's this one uh, pastor that i listened to last last winter and he had this idea and he said what if uh no one can say no and this guy basically had this idea he's like oh man he's like five foot ten and he wanted to play in the nba he like played like high school basketball never had done anything and he said well if no one could ever tell me no what would i do with my life how would i live my life differently and the guy ended up getting a tryout with uh with the sons and he was saying that he was doing a workout and he was running down the court 
and he was so out of shape compared to the guys that he was trying out with. But as he was crossing over uh, the middle of the court and he looked down and he saw the Suns logo, he realized that he got so much further than what he would have done if he was afraid of someone saying no. So you can never live your life in the fear of interpersonal relationships hindering you due to people saying no. You have to continue to push the push the seal on everything because until someone says no, there's no reason why you should try to limit yourself. And even when, so let's say even someone does say no, that doesn't mean you're, you're, you're a failure. That doesn't mean you're wrong. That just means you didn't, you do it the right way. Like you didn't do it the best you could in the certain way that they wanted. And with exactly. that, it's, it's not even living up to what they want because if someone says no, that's, that's one view in whatever exactly. you do, that's one perspective. And so you just got to think back to yourself and just do what you want and just keep progressing in a more efficient manner. Exactly. And I think a lot of people getting into the concept of identity, people will get caught up in the idea that you are like a specific person based on the actions that you have done in the past. While you are the one who controls your own identity, you're always under constant control of your identity. I love this. So again, just on the last episode, we kind of talked about your identity. And I think the best way to approach it, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this as well, is where the way I look at it is, you know, you have your thoughts, you have your emotions, you have, you know, kind of your plans that you want to achieve, right, and go after. I think the best way to go about any, you know, certain situation is to disengage yourself with what you're actually doing. And so what I mean by that is having, so if you're, you know, if you say you're a certain, if you say, you know, for if I'm a baseball player, right, as I used in the last you know, episode, it's kind of a fragile statement because you need to disengage yourself from that because at some point you're not going to be always that. And so um, I think back to your, where if you're just yourself and you kind of have these different thoughts that you're looking at and other people look at the different thoughts, I think that's a better way to go about it because you're not emotionally attached to your thoughts that can hinder your decisions, yet it gives you more clarity within your, your plans with your overall life. Of course, I, I agree with that 100%. And your identity, your identity is so important because your identity will help shape the you that you wanna be in the future and the you that you are today. And again, I've said it before, but the you that you are today has to look like the you that you want to be tomorrow. Exactly. Um, I'm going to wrap up with one more question here for you. So um, what is one thing currently that you are doing right now to try to improve your life right now? So this may be, you know, more time management. It's maybe trying to be more of a structure, more, you know, eating better, working out, whatever it may be. What's one thing that you're trying to improve for your own life? So right now, it's definitely the structure part. So at the academy, we have a very rigorous structure. It is every single day we have to wake up super early and I'm studying into the latest hours of the night. And I honestly have quite a bit of free time right now. Um, I've been pretty proactive with all my stuff during quarantine. I'm uh, months ahead in my Spanish class. I'm months ahead in a lot of my classes. But uh, I think the biggest thing for me has been uh, just diving into scripture. Every morning I try to watch uh, or read some sort of devotional. Uh, and just that, that'll that always like start my day out on the right foot. And if we look at it, the human 
brain, we make about 60 to 80,000. We have about 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. So the thoughts, the thoughts are always coming in. And the decisions that we make, we make thousands of decisions a day too. So if you start your day making the first, start your day making the right decision right away, it's just going to lead to the next decision being the right decision as well. So it's just a chain event. It's a chain reaction. You have to continue making the right decision. And going back to the original question, I start the day out with some sort of devotional, uh, go to class, and then from there, find a way to get active, find a way to throw a baseball harder. Uh, that's definitely been a big objective for mine now is to find a little bit of velo uh, during these uh, quarantine months. Um, and then after that, close the night with a little bit of deep scripture reading because those are going to be the thoughts that you are wrestling around with at night when you're sleeping. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, we're going to wrap this up here. If you guys made it through here listening, that's awesome. I appreciate you guys. Um, but first off, Duke, I just want to thank you. I appreciate you giving your time. Um, in times like this, you know, this is probably one of our most valuable assets that we have. So I no, thank of course, you for man. coming on. I can't, uh, can't wait to get a good game of catch in with you sometime. Heck yeah, man. Let me know when we where, when and where and we'll do it. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Um, and this was, this was a fun episode. Can't, can't wait to do some more in the future. Awesome, guys. Cheers.